This is Anshu Bahanda on Wellness Curated. Thanks for joining me on this podcast. My mission is to empower you with health and wellness so that you can then go and empower others. Hi, Alex. How are you? Very well, Anju. Thank you very much for having me on. You're welcome. So, I mean, I'll start just introducing you a little bit. So, just to introduce Alex, he's a strength and conditioning coach and personal trainer. He has a number of very impressive qualifications. He has an incredible grasp of the human body, of nutrition, and injury and accident rehabilitation. I can vouch for that. He's helped a lot with injuries. Um, He's also the education director at Performance Plus, where he's responsible not just for training clients, but also for training his colleagues, which says a lot. Um, welcome, Alex, to this chat. Thank you Thank for you being here much. with us. That's a, a very nice intro. Thank you. You're welcome. So I will start by asking you, what is wellness to you, Alex? Uh, I think it's the, the all-encompassing. It's beyond the physical. It is also the emotional and uh, kind of psychological aspects of of being well and healthy, um, which plays into uh, and comes from both physical activity as well as, um, I, I guess you would call self-care and uh, taking time um, to actually uh, improve your health in other areas. So thinking about nutrition and lifestyle and sleep and, and whatnot. Um, but, but to me, wellness is the combination of all of those factors. Okay. And how would you describe fitness? Uh, so fitness is the physical embodiment of of the wellness element, um, and it is it's really the ability to do everything that you want to be able to do in daily life, and and that is different for everybody. Um, so fitness can't really be defined as one thing. It's it's you know for some people it's running a marathon, for other people it's lifting a heavy weight, uh, for other people it's just getting around and playing with the grandkids. Um, so it is it's specific to the person, but it's the, the ability to do all of those things without becoming uh, exhausted uh, you right. know, prematurely or, or becoming injured um, because you're not conditioned to, to doing those things in the first place. Okay. And is fitness and exercise important in feeling healthy and well? And why do you think that is, if so? Uh, absolutely, yeah. Um, my, my life is based around um, fitness of all kinds, but... Um, for everybody that I've ever come across, um, it has been it's been a, a huge part of their their mental well being in terms of self esteem, uh, self image, mm-hmm. uh, how positive they feel on a day to day basis, um, which is a, a bigger part of the wellness um, picture, if you like. Okay. The um, the kind of the, the ability to do everything in day to day life that you want to do uh, that that's really um, important for everybody okay and tell me what kind of exercise do you normally recommend for your clients out of all this confusing array of exercises that there is uh well it it is varied um so my my client base ranges from uh 20 year old weightlifters to Mm -hmm. 70 year old um females um postmenopausal bone density you know um the the average client doesn't really exist so right. it's very specific to the person but 
in general, um, a combination is is always better than very specific. Um, so by which I mean, everybody will benefit from doing a little of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the degrees of that will vary from person to person, depending on their, their goals and their, their kind of uh, sporting um, hobbies or, or lifestyle factors. So now can you tell me what is the difference between high intensity and low intensity exercise? Absolutely. So uh, high intensity first is, is most simple to define, I guess. It's anything which requires a heart rate above about 70% of your maximum um, and high intensity and maximum being sorry the, the maximum being uh, as, as an estimation it's uh, 220 minus your age mm-hmm. um, so the younger you are the theoretically higher maximum heart rate you can have and still be you know, functioning and safe um, right. and the reverse being opposite true as well um, but the the idea being that with a high intensity uh, interval program um, which is different to just high intensity, which um, could last however long. But high intensity <laughs> intervals um, require peaks and troughs. So <laughs> we're looking for spikes in the heart rate above 70% of that maximum. And then troughs, which come back down well below that 70%. So we allow adequate recovery between bouts at the high intensity. Okay. So when you see that high intensity interval training mentioned, um, <laughs> you are looking for, you know, does the, the work to rest ratio really allow it to be high intensity or does okay. it become all very moderate intensity just through the nature of the, the program? Okay. Um, in contrast to that low intensity exercise, sometimes known as LIS, um, mm-hmm. where we're talking about low intensity steady state exercise, right. um, where the heart rate remains at a more moderate percentage of your maximum so somewhere around 50 to 60 percent for an extended period um, okay. and in those types of exercise scenarios we're, we're requiring more time so to mm-hmm. get the same benefits and to to feel the effects of that we just have to do it for a bit longer so in terms of pros and cons of both of both i mean yeah. are there any cases where you'd say just do this or just do that or Give us an idea of what you think are the pros and cons. Occasionally, yes. I think um, the biggest con to uh, lower intensity exercise is just that it takes so much time. So if you can work it into your lifestyle in in a way that it doesn't require you to go to the gym to do it, for Mm -hmm. example, heading to the gym to to run for 30 minutes at the same pace versus actually just uh, swimming or cycling uh, or doing some form of activity that gives you other benefits like Mm -hmm. mindfulness or or, um, escape into nature or whatever it is. Um, Or simply walking for an hour a day in your commute rather than um, making an exercise bout. Um, So that tends to be more beneficial for for my clients. And then the cons, I guess, of the high intensity are that some people aren't really ready for it. Um, Right. So high intensity exercise can be high impact as well. Um, so we do have to consider a person's bone density, their the age, their uh, hormonal status um, in that as well. Um, but it, it's not uh, something they can never do. It's something that they mm-hmm. perhaps have to train towards being able to do. Um, okay. 
and the the risk of injury if you haven't prepared for it is is a little bit higher um, in high intensity in so high would you so would you recommend if it's if someone is venturing into a new in high intensity program they should do it with a coach by the sound of it yes or at least under the guidance of someone who has done it from a similar uh, position that they were in um and that doesn't necessarily have to be a a trainer um there are apps like um we, we've discussed as well in the past the things like the couch to 5k is designed for those people who have been sedentary and mm -hmm. want to get into some form of uh, steady state running um, right. in my opinion it, it needs a little work there, there should be a longer phase of preparation to be able to just go and run um, mm -hmm. but there are ways to do it without a coach um, mm -hmm. a coach is probably just the most time efficient way of doing it because they've learned from all their mistakes in the past Right. You, you get the latest research, you get the, the most effective methods that have worked for, for other people as well. So when you get, so when you're trying to work out what is best for a client, what is the process you go through? How do you recommend what you make them do? Uh, well, it will always start with a face-to-face a -face consult. So mm -hmm. identifying their, their limitations, whether that's limitations on time, uh, physical limitations, uh, injury history, um, and then I will assess them physically as well. So we'll have a look at uh, how well they move, um, how, how athletic their history has been often gives us a, um, an insight into you know, what they're likely to want to do as mm -hmm. well. Um, people who have done no sport ever in their life um, yeah. tend to have a little more uh, kind of intrepidation about pushing into something that's particularly high intensity very soon. So that can influence my decision as well. Mm -hmm. um, but largely it will be, you know, are they physically capable of um, the, the higher intensity stuff? And if not, we typically will start with the lower intensity, uh, whether that's through um, lighter resistance training, body weight training, um, or just some form of um, steady state cardio. Okay. Okay. And what is your view on interval training, which is also something which is being talked about so much today? Um, yeah, I think it's, it's a little bit um, overused um, in, in terms of the, uh, you know, planning a 45 minute uh, class around high intensity training. Um, mm -hmm. that, that idea that, like I was saying, the peaks and troughs idea only really works if you monitor the heart rate um, mm -hmm. or if you use very specific time periods. Uh, and you have, to, you have to really allow for that full recovery between bouts. And um, what you'll see in the fitness industry is more of a sort of salesy approach where everything's, yeah. it's sexed up a little bit. So you have yeah. the word high intensity banded around to make it seem harder. Mm -hmm. um, but harder doesn't always mean more effective. Um, right. So you do have to have a slightly intelligent approach to um, what is really high intensity and mm -hmm. what is an adequate recovery period to allow you to do that multiple times. Um, otherwise, like I said in the beginning, it just becomes uh, you know, steady state at a higher percentage of your heart rate max. So you're saying interval training is high intensity and then recovery and then back to high intensity. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So high intensity interval training and the the stuff that the research is based on is is very much about a very high maximum heart rate and then a very low recovery period. Um, and that process repeated for however long you can keep maintaining that high um, right. 
intensity, um, which isn't really that long. So uh, uh-huh. an interval training session might only last 20 to 25 minutes. Um, right. Whereas you can have a high intensity in that it's maybe 75% of your heart rate max, but it just lasts the entire time. So that would be high intensity training, but it's no longer interval training. Right, right. But interval training, can you tell us the difference? Is Interval training, again, could be high or low intensity, um, but it is with a planned work to rest ratio. So you have um, peaks and troughs in your heart rate. Um, And the benefits of that are essentially far quicker improvements in fitness. Um, You're improving your ability to recover between high intensity work. Um, You can uh, theoretically, if you do it right, burn more calories than you would do when you're uh, doing a steady state or low intensity exercise. Um, Also, I didn't know you could do low intensity interval training because I've only known high intensity interval training. You can. So an example would be if you were to do a walk jog. Um, Mm -hmm. So in the early stages of preparing to to run distance, um, you might walk for a minute, run for a minute. And typically you won't get to an intensity that is considered high. so that would be a lower intensity or moderate intensity okay. uh, interval session. Um, and it still has its benefits and it's appropriate for some people, for sure. Okay. And it's good for weight loss or not? Uh, the, the, the easy answer is that it depends. Um, so <laughs> it, is, it is good for weight loss in that you can create a calorie deficit through doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, and that a sedentary person who did no exercise before and then goes on to do that Mm -hmm. is is actually then uh, getting a benefit and therefore burning some calories and so that that person is is useful for yet okay um alex you know in today's world where a lot of people are exercising from home post lockdown um and a lot of people are using home apps Yes. How do you recommend they go about that? Um, I think the, the safety at home is probably the big, biggest consideration. Um, making sure that the kit you've got, if you're, if you're required to use any, is, mm-hmm. is appropriate and hasn't been in the garage for 20 years and then and, you know, it's going to cause you an injury. Um, so that's the biggest thing. Things like flooring surface, making sure that you are not you know, in socks on your kitchen floor and going to slip all over the place. I see more injuries from people doing stuff on their own with apps than right. probably any other cause of injury. Um, okay. And especially post lockdown. Um, right. So I think it is, it is selecting something that's very appropriate for you. So not getting something that's totally new you've never done before. Um, I know that companies like Les Mills were putting uh, lots of free content out and you could sign up and do almost any class. Um, But if you've never done a high intensity workout um, and then suddenly you go jumping around the living room, um, you're, you're likely to, to hurt yourself. So I think that's, that's a good consideration as well. Okay. Uh, Yeah. And, um, and also you're saying you've seen, don't use old kit. So when you're talking about old kit, are you talking about shoes? It could be shoes, but even if you've got, um, you know, dumbbells or, or uh, weights, kettlebells, that kind of stuff, um, the the quality of what you're using should be at least safe. Um, it doesn't okay. have to be brand new or expensive, but yeah. Right. 
but you have to make sure it's safe. That's very good advice because very often you don't ever think, you think a dumbbell is a dumbbell is a dumbbell. You know, what, how can it be wrong? But well, that's very good advice. Yes, yeah, yeah. I've seen, um, since, since we went into lockdown, I've seen a few people using, you know, their, their parents' old weights from the garage and benches yeah. that are falling apart and things like that. So it, it's definitely come up. Okay, okay. Do you have any advice you'd like to give them regarding training? fitness uh, yeah i do i think it's um it's very fashionable to pick one genre and stay in it um <laughs> but the evidence is is there for all of these types of exercise having a benefit right. um you know from from yoga to high intensity intervals on a, on a peloton um there are a lot of options available to you and you enjoying it and you know actively partaking in it is far more important than um, what the latest magazines say are the best way. Um, you know, it, it's better to be doing something every day than to only ever do the best thing. Okay, thank you. So how do you rate core exercises? We're talking about um, things like uh, planks, side planks, um, stationary um, bracing exercises, if you like, where you're learning to control your spine and being able to transmit force through your limbs in mm -hmm. the kind of technical sense, um, then there's not a lot that can go wrong. You have to find a, a roughly neutral position and spend time there. Um, so they're duration-based, um, relatively safe and straightforward. Um, pretty easy to follow along on YouTube videos or apps. If we're talking about things like uh, crunches, cable wood chops, there's more moving parts, there's more factors involved where technique matters a little bit more. Um, so then a coach would be um, probably useful in that sense. Okay. And uh, would this is the core exercises come under strengthening and conditioning, correct? Yes. Um, so strength and strength endurance. Yeah. Okay. Um, and um, both are important to the overall health of your, your spine and um, your ability to, to maintain a a decent position when you're doing other sports as well. Okay. Um, is there any exercise, exercise that increases metabolism? Uh, all exercise. Every, any kind of movement will temporarily increase your metabolism. The, the energy expenditure um, you get from movement um, is, is kind of universal. Um, hint, interval training, specifically high-intensity high interval training, um, tends to have a, a longer period afterwards that mm -hmm. the metabolism is raised. Um, but so does resistance training. Um, resistance training is probably the, uh, the quickest way to um, increase your calorie expenditure during the time you're not training anymore, you know, when you're recovering from that training. Okay. And um, what is a good thing to eat? I know this is your favorite topic, nutrition mm. before a morning workout. Um, yeah, so it depends a little bit on your goals. Um, if you are aiming to be as strong as possible, um, then you will want to have some food. Um, however, if you are uh, only concerned with body fat reduction, for example, then you could get away with training in a fasted state where you haven't eaten anything at all. Either way, I would suggest hydration, um, so water. Um, you potentially could do something very basic like uh, like have some caffeine as well, so a, a small coffee. Um, that has been shown to, to help improve performance in your exercise and therefore right. your outcome as well. Um, 
but really it comes down to a little bit of personal preference, whether you feel um, you're able to work hard or whether you start feeling sick if you've eaten too much. So for myself, uh, you know, I could have a full roast meal and then go and train and I wouldn't, I wouldn't be, You'd you know, be suffering. Yeah. yeah. But other people, you know, have a banana and they start to feel nauseous halfway into a training session. So mm -hmm. there's a, there's a bit of how good and quick your digestive system works as well. And I also think you were very particular about what one eats after the training, correct? So do you yes, want to talk uh, a little bit about that? Absolutely, yeah. Um, for me, it's, it's primarily based on how quickly you want to recover. So um, things like protein shakes and, uh, or, or just eating protein post-training, um, very beneficial in terms of helping you recover from training, as, along with some carbohydrate. Um, again, depending on your goals and your body fat, then you might want to change the ratio of protein to carbohydrate, but both have a benefit. Um, the difference is that shakes act a little bit quicker. They digest faster and therefore you recover marginally quicker as well. Um, but the important thing is that you're getting enough um, water and protein post-training. Right. And for, you know, a lot of people are vegetarian or people are even turning vegan these days. Yes. What kind of protein do you recommend for them? Um, I've tried a Lentils few of the vegan... is enough? Uh, I know honestly, we've had this debate a lot. Yeah, so. it is. It's difficult. Um, you can certainly get enough protein on a vegan diet. That, that's been shown uh, even with research. But the, the question comes down to, are you? Um, are you planning your diet well enough? Are you measuring the protein content well enough? Um, so I think that generally supplementation is important for vegans uh, in that sense. Um, and a lot of the vegan protein powders now are actually pretty good. Um, mm -hmm. They used to be horrendous. Um, I've taken a few of them. and, and Yeah, some the of them taste used to be horrible. Yeah. But they're getting better. And I do think there's a, a move towards like plant-based protein sources anyway. Um, yeah. Okay. Is it essential to include high-intensity workout into your weekly routine? Or would yoga and Pilates be considered enough? Um, it depends entirely on your goals. Um, I would suggest that yoga and Pilates both, although they might be difficult and you might have tough sessions um, throughout the week, they aren't going to be high-intensity in the way that interval training is. Um, so you don't get the same fitness improvements in terms of um, cardiac uh, effects where your, your heart literally becomes more efficient um, and things like your respiratory rate and the efficiency of your lungs. Um, it would have to be uh, a little bit dependent on your goals. So if that wasn't important to you and you're already very fit, mm -hmm. then absolutely yoga and Pilates is going to be enough, um, providing that that also gets you as strong as you want to be. Um, yeah. So we talked about, I remember when I was training with you, we'd also talked about something very interesting to get the heart rate up and to get your metabolism up, which was really, really cold showers. You know, yes. the, uh, the Hoff method, the Winhoff yes. method. Yeah. Do you want so, to elaborate a little bit on that? Yes, it's certain. I wouldn't describe myself as an expert on the area, um, but I have um, listened and read some, some information on it. The, the idea being that... Um, stress whether it's cold or heat stress has an effect on the body um, and our bodies are always trying to maintain homeostasis so any anything that takes us away from our normal resting state mm -hmm. is seen as our, uh, a stress to our body uh, and we have a 
an adaptation normally to that. So cold, um, prolonged periods of cold therapy um, have been shown to have great effects on uh, our health generally, as mm -hmm. have um, things like very hot saunas and heat stress. Um, they have an effect on our aging process and mm -hmm. um, through a couple of different genetic factors, they actually um, help keep us um, slightly uh, younger feeling uh, for longer. So the, the immediate effects of something like cold showers and, and beginning to control our breath and the respiratory reaction to diving into cold water, um, that's also been shown to be uh, good for our health. And um, the, the kind of the nasal breathing and mm -hmm. uh, breath control that someone like Wim Hof talks about is now being kind of more and more purported to be beneficial. Right. In your recommendation for a protein powder brand, please. Um, yeah, off the top of my head, uh, motion nutrition is uh, pretty good. So motion, they tend to do the plant-based ones quite well. Um, so they're worth checking out. Um, so when you say plant-based, would you recommend one above the other? Like, would you say pea protein is better than some other protein? Um, not necessarily. I tend to like to vary um, which proteins I use. Um, mm -hmm. As you can actually, if you're taking the same thing every day for years, you can become um, almost intolerant to, to certain things. So you, you, right. you want to get variation. That's very true. Powder. That's a very good point you made, Alex. Yeah. I find that also, that you become yeah. intolerant if you're taking the same thing. Yes. The, the same way in that you need to vary your diet, you would need mm -hmm. to vary the protein you take. Yeah. Okay. Um, what is the order of exercise that you'd recommend? Weights first or aerobics first? Uh, mainly based on your goal, but um, primarily I would go weights first um, for most people. Idea being that you don't want to be tired when you're about to try and lift as heavy as you possibly can. Um, so if your goal is getting stronger, then you want to prioritize the strength training element of your workouts. Um, and if you can go as far to split those elements up and mm -hmm. train strength on one day and then your aerobic fitness on another day, that would be a step further as well. Fantastic. And the last question for you is are body weight workouts as effective as actual weights as using actual weights? Um, I have seen people get very strong with mm -hmm. body weight training, um, but it tends to be strength that is only then uh, useful for moving your own body weight around. Um, yeah. For example, you know, you look at gymnasts and they are incredibly strong athletes. They tend to not do a huge amount of weight training other than the resistance of their own body. Um, wow. Okay. But that doesn't always transfer to everything else. So um, a combination would be the best option um, where you use your body weight for some uh, exercise and you become what we call uh, strength that is relative, so relative to your body weight, um, but also improve your maximal strength using external loads as well. Um, it depends a bit on your goal, but um, it can be done. You have to be pretty smart about it. And a gymnastics-based coach or a calisthenics coach would be the person to see in that scenario. Okay. So the, it's, are TheraBands and various other resistance bands as effective in toning and creating strength? Um, in the beginning, yes. If, if you are relatively untrained, I, you're not particularly strong and um, you find resistance that the, the bands provide you challenging, then yes. Um, 
but like anything else, we adapt quite quickly to it. So um, they, they quite quickly, like when we train with body weight, have to be progressed. So you mm -hmm. would need varying degrees of resistance um, or the ability to uh, double the band uh, and, and use it in a, a way that makes it harder as you progress. Um, so yes, in the beginning, but they sh have a shorter shelf life because there is a finite kind of resistance to them. Thank you so much for being thank here. You, and I know, thank you for organizing your day around this chat. Thank you. My pleasure. Great Take to care. see you. Take Bye -bye. care. Thanks for joining us. Hope you enjoyed the Wellness Curated podcast. Please subscribe and tell your friends and family about it. And Here's to you leading your best life.